Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's December 16th, 1982, and Christmas is about to be ruined for a generation of racing fans. That's because Colin Chapman, one of the greatest innovators in the history of Formula One, a man who made innumerable contributions to the sport and built some of the fastest rides of the era, has just died. Or has he? (gasps) Colin Chapman's Formula One trophy case is an impressive one, with seven Constructors' Championships and six Drivers' Championships since 1963. Beyond his championship seasons, Chapman's imprint on the sport is hard to comprehend. Some suggest that Chapman might have more to do with the basic design of today's mid-engine, open-wheeled racing cars than any other single builder. And if that weren't enough to cement his legend, there's the continued belief in some circles that he faked his death to avoid prosecution over his role in the collapse of the DeLorean Motor Company. Juicy. (laughs) I'm excited for this one. Yeah, dude. Would Formula One be recognizable without Colin Chapman? Did his habit of playing fast and loose with F1 rules foreshadow the way he played fast and loose with corporate finance laws? And did he fake his own death? Today on Pass Gas, it's the man behind Lotus, Colin Chapman. Pass Gas Podcast. It's about cars. It's not about sports. Simplify and add lightness. You know, we we're talking about slacks before. You know, it's yeah. another type of ch- uh, pants. Chaps. Chaps. Chaps, Chaps man. man. Yeah. Uh, one of my oh. pet peeves, I've probably uh, expressed it on this podcast before, is when people say assless chaps. Like all, all chaps are assless or else they just be pants. Really? With the wiener cut out. You yeah. can't have any ass? I don't think so. I think chaps are just front pants. Yeah. I mean, with the wiener it, cut it out. is funny to give him the qualifier <laughs> of assless, though. I know, but I yeah, think it's yeah. a little much. It's like gilding the lily a little it's bit. It's the only thing that is assless, you know? Yeah. Or is considered assless. Mm-hmm. Welcome to Past Gas, everybody. Uh, the only show that is definitely not assless. No, no. we got dump, dump trucks. trucks yeah, someone days. literally sent me a picture of a Joe Weber dump truck this dude, morning. What? There's Joe, this morning. Joe Weber construction, I think, in the Heck valley. Yeah. Dude, you should and get there's a, a big shirt. dump truck. I want a shirt. Let's all get shirts. Yeah. Of 
Joe Christina, can you make a note to get us all dump truck shirts? <laughs> <laughs> Today we're talking about Colin Chapman, Dude, uh, a legendary figure in Formula you One. You know, history. one yeah. of the only things cooler than winning like six construct six driver championships and seven constructors championships. What faking your own death? Yeah, that is pretty. Cool. That is so and sick. Pulling it off too. I know. Do you know the amount of swag it takes to fake your own death? Uh, who's who's lot? in that pool? Lot, you got DB Cooper. Yeah, and you got Con Chapman, yeah, Con and you got Chapman. Uh, Epstein. Epstein. That's it. <laughs> um, yeah, my name is Nolan Sykes. A, a dream blunt rotation. <laughs> <laughs> my name is Nolan Sykes. Joined as always by my co-host here on Pass Gas. Across from me, wearing the Mankind and Mister Saki T-shirt. James Pomfrey. Yeah, I'm wearing a Mankind shirt, and I'm also doing this podcast for all mankind. Oh, wow. that's cool. Giddy a, up. Yeah, put us on a satellite and beam us into space. Giddy up, muchachos. <laughs> uh, yeah, how do we get, you know, they... Uh, that's my new th- slogan. I like Giddy it. Giddy up, muchachos? Giddy up, muchachos. Yeah, I like it. And Joe Weber. Hello. What's up? Giddy up, muchachos. Wink, wink nation. Nice. Joe's... Nice. I hired Joe. <laughs> He's my first athlete. Um, oh, this is like prime energy. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm really excited. He, I think, Joe's a giddy up athlete. Giddy yeah. up is my new energy drink. I like it. Yeah. I'm starting I an energy it. drink. Yeah. It's called giddy up. It's going to cost $22. $22. It is dangerous. 420 <laughs> milligrams of caffeine. 420 yeah. milligrams of caffeine. You can't drink it when you're pregnant. Yep. Yeah. You can't drink it. And drive. Don't even think about operating heavy machinery. Do not, even because that, you will tear down a building. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> so it's got 420 mils of caffeine, and some of the cans, one can in every case, uh-huh. has 800 mils. Ooh, of baby. It's so, like a shishito pepper. Yeah, it's like a shishito. Yeah. One in 12 is spicy. Super spicy. <laughs> I'm really excited to talk about Colin Chapman. Me what too, do you guys dude. know about this guy uh, right now? Uh, McLaren. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's Bruce McLaren. Yeah. Huh? yeah. <laughs> yes. That's Bruce McLaren. Lotus. Yes, Lotus. Yeah. He I know that he um like Enzo Ferrari didn't want to make friends with his drivers just in case they died. Mm-hmm. So he's very cold with his drivers. Uh yeah, that's because his cars as we'll find out Developed a bit of a reputation for being very fragile and unsafe. Well, because yeah. he simplified and added lightness. Yes, he did. That's his saying. Simplify and add lightness. Uh, brilliant mind, huge figure in racing, yeah. and by all accounts, a right. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think you'll be vindicated in that statement, yeah. James. Yeah. Um, definitely. So let's. I'm really excited for this one. Let's just dive right in. All right, Anthony Colin Bruce Chapman. Was born in 1928 in Richmond. Which Anthony a- Colin Bruce, you get down from there. <laughs> Out of all those names, why no. don't you go with Colin? I would go with Colin. Yeah, Tony I would go Chapman, with Bruce. Bruce, Bruce Chapman. Chapman. Bruce Chapman's pretty Bruce is pretty good. Anyway. Anthony Rick- Colin Bruce Chapman. <laughs> you get out of that. You're going to be in sewer. trouble when your dad gets home. You get out you of that sewer. that sewer. You're all slimy. You're all <laughs> mucked up and slimed down. Richmond was a suburb of London. His father was a publican. Who managed the railway hotel in Hornsey, which is where uh, Colin grew up. Colin met Hazel, his future wife, at a dance in March of 1944 when he was only 16 years old. And she was 48. <laughs> <laughs> the two quickly formed a partnership that would last the rest of his life, and it also played an essential role in the birth of Lotus. Nice. Very cool. 20-year-old Colin built his first car in 1948 using Hazel's parents' uh, lockup garage and an extension cord for power. Uh, pretty cool. I think that's just like a, a, a garage. It's a garage that locks. That locks up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Obviously doesn't have power outlets. No. It. Yeah. Which is kind of how we do stuff around here. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the, TVH. the toaster uh, broke our whole power system. So yeah, you can't the use the weld. Make sure you're not using the welder and the microwave at the same time. Yeah. Right. And it, yeah, if you're if you got a <laughs> weld or... Use, like, the plasma cutter or anything. Just make sure that you're not, like, uh, editing anything important. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Colin's Mark One, his first car, was a modified Austin 7. But even though Colin built on the chassis of one of England's most popular cars, he was already showing signs of brilliance. The Mark One used an alloy-bonded plywood for the body that oh. reduced its overall weight. It's like a composite. It's crazy. And was built into an angular shape 
intended to reduce drag. Colin even replaced the elliptical rear quarter springs for flattened ones that helped avoid oversteering in corners while still providing needed clearance. Coil springs, elliptical means like rounded? Yes. And so you replace them with flat springs, so like the actual... Um, so it seems like he replaced the leaf. They were leaf springs, in uh-huh. fact, and he replaced them with a different sort of spring. Uh, that would be a lot better. Nice. Yeah. Okay. So all these improvements are in areas that would later define Colin's signature building style. James, simplify and add lightness, yes, weight, weight reduction, reduction, and aerodynamics. That's right. <laughs> Colin's build style often emphasized gains in areas other than the engine, though it should be noted that he overhauled the Austin engine to improve the compression ratio for his Mark I. Um, he did this kind of skirting the rule book. He was like, like every great racing mind. He cheated. About, used a loophole. He knew the book real well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Enzo Ferrari may have famously said aerodynamics are for people who can't build engines, but his drivers spent quite a bit of time staring at the back of less powerful Lotus cars throughout the Ooh. 60s and 70s. Yeah, but for Enzo Ferrari also said, sandwiches are spaghetti for people who don't use forks. That's pretty good. Yeah. So Pretty true. S- smart sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Not so smart. <laughs> no, sandwiches are just spaghetti for people who can't use <laughs> <the> forks. <laughs> to wit, Colin Chapman had his own quote to counter Enzo. Adding power makes you fastest on the straights, old man. Subtracting weights makes you faster everywhere. Brilliant. Love yeah. it. It won't be long until you're in and you're out. <laughs> Urine. Lotus cars <laughs> were among the most aerodynamic and the lightest on the grid. The Mark I was fast and won two class honors in the trials it ran in. So he's doing like time trials with this mm-hmm. thing. However, Colin wanted to go even faster and set to work on his Mark II. He later sold his first car, the Mark I, for a mere 135 pounds to a buyer in northern England. And since then, its whereabouts have been Dang, unknown. That's the that's the grailed. That's probably the grail for guys right who there. have corn cob pipes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And those little newsy caps. Mm-hmm. I watched this. Um, Did that sound short really weird to anybody else? About uh, the restoration of the Beast of Turin, that mm-hmm. Fiat from 1905 or whatever. Everyone's wearing suspenders and newsy caps while they work on this thing, and it's like, yeah, this is just cosplay for rich. Oh, guys. for sure, it, yeah. dude, yeah. definitely. You it's like to. ultimate nerd. Yeah, mm-hmm. like maybe the 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 Lotus or the I guess at that time it's the Chapman or <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, the Chapman Mark One. Yeah, Chapman. Yeah, oh. is our Curly's gold. Mm. <laughs> like maybe we can find yeah. a little map. Yeah. Hey, if you have a map to the Chapman Mark One and you want to see us, we'll film it. If you want to <laughs> see us go on a search for uh, City Slickers yeah. Two to find Curly's Gold Type Escapade Adventure, so you, send us that map. Are you the Josh Brolin in this situation? Mm, I'm like the Harrison Ford. Oh, you Curly's can be Josh Gold Brolin. was Curly's Gold. Well, goonies. none of those guys were City Slickers. It was Billy Crystal. The best friend from When Harry Met Sally and uh, uh, Marv from Home Alone. Oh. Oh, Daniel Stern. Yeah, Daniel Stern. That's a cast. I'm going to check it out. Anyway, but I would be Indiana Jones in that situation. (laughs) And you You know this movie with these characters? And you can be. I'd be Chunk. Drake, what's his name? Nathan Drake. Nathan Drake. Yeah. 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 Tom Holland? No, the mm-hmm. Nolan North, Tom. Yeah, uh, Nolan North. Nathan Our Drake. friend shouts to Nolan. What's yeah. up, dog? My second favorite Nolan. Oh, third. <laughs> I forgot about Chris. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Even though Colin was excited to start working on his Mark II, he decided to join the Royal Air Force instead in 1948 when he was offered a permanent conscription. While he was away, Colin relied on Hazel to help keep his dream alive and left her a list of tasks to complete before he returned. Oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure she enjoyed that. Hazel played an essential role in the construction of both the Mark I and the Mark II, as well as the launch of Lotus, even beyond her parents' garage space. Their partnership is often seen as the foundation that Lotus was built upon. Kurt and, Cobain and Courtney Love of race cars. That's right. And uh, and their partnership is one of the reasons for Colin Chapman's success. No Nirvana without Courtney. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> as for the Air Force... The Royal Air Force. Mm. Colin turned down the permanent position in favor of civilian life and race cars. And as we'll see, I think he made the right decision because yeah. he's going to have quite the life. Well, he ended up faking his own death. So well, we'll, see. Uh, 
we'll see. We'll see about that part, too. Colin returned from his service and finished the Mark II. The Mark II, like the Mark I, began with an Austin 7 chassis. Chapman boxed the chassis rails, so he yeah, boxed the frame, and replaced the original cross members with stronger and lighter tubing, and then swapped the Austin engine for a Ford 8. Oh, what's a Ford 8? So the Ford 8 was not a V8 engine, and when the 8 failed to give Colin enough power, he swapped it out for a Ford 10, which I assume is also not a V10 engine. No, that would be probably insane not. for a guy. That, yeah, he probably couldn't afford one of those. It's a 10 liter four cylinder. <laughs> <laughs> the Mark II absolutely torched the opposition in the 1950s trial season with four overall wins and four class wins, among other podium finishes. I mean, that's cool to just jump into it and be like winning right away. Hell yeah, dude. However, everything changed when Colin decided to enter his car in his first circuit race, the eight clubs meeting at Silverstone on June 3rd, 1950. It was Chapman's first real race. And like many folks we talk about on the show, he was absolutely hooked. From that moment, Colin knew that his future was in circuit racing. And as a result, he sold the Mark II in October of 1950 in hopes of affording a circuit racer for the next season. So here he is. He's building a little bit of a name for himself. Paint the picture. Uh, he's a, a guy still building his cars in the garage, but there's promise here. Uh, this is like the EP right here. These, yeah. these cars are the EP. We're yeah. seeing promise. But we're still tape. waiting for that first real album. It's a five-song mixtape. Yeah, and you're like, okay, three of these are really good. For yeah. sure. He's like rapping over other people's beats. <laughs> mm-hmm. He destroys Drake on a Drake track. Yeah. <laughs> and Drake's like, who? who's this guy? Who even yeah. the frick is this guy? And then Drake responds. Yeah. It's by stealing his beat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that's you can find cir- all that on Datpiff, RIP. <laughs> that circuit racer, the Mark III, was the first official Lotus car. Ooh. As for the origins of the name Lotus, Colin Chapman never gave a definitive answer. However, there was a pretty glaring coincidence in his life. Colin's pet name for Hazel was Little oh, Lotus Blossom. Oh, it did come oh, from Hazel. Oh, I love that. Which is cute. That is Little Lotus cute. Blossom. Love it. Little, little Lotus lo- Blossom. Little, little Lotus, lotus Blossom. blossom. I'll kiss you in the forehead. I call Riley my little one. How are you, my little one? <laughs> Sick. Yeah. <laughs> well, what do you guys call your gals? Babe. Ma'am. Yeah, ma'am. <laughs> ma'am. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love you, ma'am. And then I salute her. <laughs> she goes at ease. She doesn't, let, she doesn't let me sit on the couch or sleep in the bed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she lets the cat sleep there. <laughs> The Mark III also used a modified Austin 7 chassis like its predecessors, but this would be the first time that Colin would utilize one of the more important skills in his tool belt. Being so innovative that race governing bodies were forced to change their rules to ban said innovation. Nice. That's cool. It's like, dude, we're doing time. We're on a hill. Yeah. You have a car that was built 30 years ago. You didn't say I couldn't. You didn't say I couldn't. (laughs) In this case, Colin split the car's cylinder inlet ports, so each had its own fuel-air mixture inlet passage. This meant that the engine was more powerful than any of its competitors, capable of hitting 90 miles per hour and going 0 to 50 in a blistering 6.6 seconds. It sounds like it had individual throttle bodies. Yeah, Yeah, do you have ITBs? Yeah. That's what it sounds like. Made them. That's sick. Split the carbs? Probably used motorcycle carbs on each of the cylinders. I used motorcycle carbs on each of the cylinders. I bet that thing screamed, dude. I mean, it went 0 to 50 in 6.6 seconds. Yeah. Those are motorcycle times. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like... That does sound pretty quick for the time. Especially because I'm sure it's like a laundry basket. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) look at a picture of an Austin 7. It's like a jalopy. Yeah. And, yeah. They still make them, though. Really? They do? What? What? The engine was so powerful that it was banned before the 1952 season could even start. Rich guys ha- in sport have a long history of being like, "Well, you can't do that. I don't think of that. You can't do that. That's no competitive. But that didn't stop Colin from officially founding the Lotus Engineering Company with Hazel as its co-director using a loan of 25 pounds. Nice. What did that do? Can what I did the 25? 20, yeah. Can I borrow 25 bucks on my Star Car Company? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to buy the domain. (laughs) The following year, Lotus produced their first production car, the Mark VI. With a top speed of 90 miles per hour and relatively low price of 400 pounds, Lotus had moved from racing into building sports cars for enthusiasts. That's sick. Meanwhile, Team Lotus was officially founded in 1954 thanks to the company's first single-seater, you guessed it, 
the Mark 8. <laughs> the Modern Lotus Company serving professionals. Hey, is, uh, is Mark hungry? No, Mark 8. <laughs> nice. Perfect joke. Nice. The Modern Lotus Company serving professionals on the track and hobbyists on the roads was born. One of the biggest early successes for Lotus came with the Lotus 11 <laughs> in 1956. Since two ones next to each other could be confused for the Roman numeral two, they spelled out the word 11. Oh. Which is cool. Maybe this is the start of their naming everything E. Yeah. and Oh, the 11. Yeah. And they stopped labeling cars oh, with Mark. That thing is sick as hell, this 11. Oh, hi. Oh, bye, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Thank you. Wow, well, James is just like me. He knows that movie. He knows that, that I movie, know. The Room. <laughs> the Lotus Eleven appeared in the 24 Hours of Le Mans that year and won the 1100cc class. Chapman himself would drive the 1500cc, but was forced to retire. Hmm. Legendary driver Sterling Moss set a class speed record at 135 miles per hour in a bubble top Lotus Eleven at Monza that year. Part of a 1956 season that would see the 11 win 148 oh my races. God. Good Lord. Finished second 134 times and third 99 times. That's wow. insane. That's like f- almost 400 races yeah. in this, a year. That's more than a race a day. This thing looks like what Speed Racer. Well, we can also assume tries. that a lot of those cars were in the same race together. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, two or three. Maybe. The, uh, what do you think? There's 11? I don't know. You think there's 11 11s? I'll make a wish, 11. mate. 11 11. Well, you Dude, might as well make a wish. Top, so this one that Sterling drove uh, is awesome, and I love it, and I want to find one. That's my grail. Is it the blue one here? 78? I'm just looking at a bunch of them on Google. Uh. She got a bubble top. <laughs> <laughs> Her name Lexi. She got a bubble top. Her name 11. She got a bubble top. <laughs> Powered by a 75 horsepower Coventry Climax. Uh, Wait, that sounds like a Drake song. Engine. What, Coventry Climax? No, the, the, him rapping about 11 and how yeah. hot she is. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Get yeah, out yeah. of here, Drake. Yeah, yeah quit. Dude. Leave her alone, man. Bobby Millie 11. <laughs> <laughs> she got a bubble top. The Elite was built as a road car, but its qualities as a racer were impossible to deny. Lotus Elites would make appearances at the 1959 24 Hours of Le Mans. The Elite was so successful that Colin realized it would be necessary to move Lotus out of London, where there was a ban on industrial development, Mm. and open a factory in Cheshunt, Hertfordshire. (laughs) In June of 1959. Nice. No, it's not Chestnut Hartford. It's no, it's not Chestnut Hartford. Is it Cheshunt? It's Cheshunt. Cheshunt. Cheshunt Hertfordshire. Cheshunt Hertfordshire. You don't even have to put your lips together to say Cheshunt Hertfordshire. because British people don't have lips. Yeah, oh, that's my older. Cheshunt Hertfordshire. Raise me a Cheshunt Hertfordshire. Let's let's spread our seed across the world. Back to nineteen fifty seven. Alongside the elite, Chabin introduced aerodynamic struts into his car's rear suspension with the Lotus twelve. Aerodynamic struts. What the freaking heck? What's an aerodynamic strut? That's how I Besides, walk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was the sentence I was starting to say. <laughs> Those rear struts are still known as Chapman struts. Oh, okay. So instead of like just round tube holding the wheels on and mm-hmm. like the, the hubs, yeah. they're like more like elliptical, like ovalish. Yeah, like a knife. Air. Yeah. yeah, like a knife. Uh, they've remained a key piece of F1 cars ever since. Yeah, if you nice. look at every F1 car now, they have really flat, wide struts holding their wheels on. That's sick. Yeah. Team Lotus's first entry in Formula One was with the Lotus 16 in 1958, though the overly complicated car wasn't very successful. In mm. fact, the Lotus 16 convinced Chapman that the front engine design that was the norm for the time just wasn't the most efficient, and thus the Lotus 18 was born. The Lotus 18 
was the first to feature a mid-engine layout, which improved aerodynamics. Sterling Moss won the 1960 Monaco Grand Prix behind its wheel, becoming the first Lotus driver to win a Formula One race. I wonder. And the last. Good night. <laughs> I wonder if he looked at a kazoo and was like, that would make a great car. That would make a great car. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny, Joe. That's funny, Joe. That's funny, Joe. We'll get back to more past gas, but right now, a word from our sponsors. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Nineteen sixty-two was a massive turning point for Lotus. Colin Chapman introduced the world to the Lotus Twenty Five, the first Formula One car to feature an aluminum monocoque chassis. Oh. To date, it's one of the most influential models in Formula One history and completely changed how F one cars were made. The lightweight chassis offered greater safety and rigidity, as well as introduced a reclined seating position for the driver, which was intended to reduce weight in the front of the car in favor of a sleeker and more aerodynamic construction. Allegedly, Colin came up with the innovation while he was reclined in the bathtub. Oh, in me tub. The place where he did his best thinking. But 1962 wasn't just about the Lotus 25, Joe. It was also about the solidification of Colin's partnership with driver Jim Clark. Though Jim had been driving for Colin for two seasons, his four wins in 1962 represented a dawn of a new era. If not for a series of mechanical failures, Jim Clark would have clinched his first driver's championship that year. And as for Lotus, they were only a single point away from their first constructor's championship. This obviously wouldn't do for Colin Chapman. So, in 1963, Jim Clark returned to the grid in a lighter, more reliable Lotus 25, and both the team and the driver won their respective championships. Respect. Nice. Nice. Dude, Jim Clark's such a sick name. Yeah, he's cool. Bring a trophy back to Cheshire and Havishire. As we talked about in our episode on Jim Clark, his partnership with Chapman truly defined the era. Colin himself quit driving for Lotus once Jim signed on. The soft-spoken Scotsman demonstrated a preternatural ability as a driver with a pure feel for the car that few could match. I don't like to lose. <laughs> I like to win in the least good. <laughs> Many have said that Clark and Chapman's partnership was almost as essential to Lotus as that between Colin and his wife, Hazel. And Hazel was like, nah. <laughs> yeah, she, <laughs> no word on what she She's thought like, about that. I don't that. think so. I uh, mean, it's good, but you know. <laughs> there's this great little documentary documentary called The Secret Life of Colin, Colin Chapman. <laughs> and uh, apparently Jim Clark wouldn't drive for anybody else but uh, Colin Chapman. Um, it was unusual for Colin Chapman to feel loyalty to his employees, uh-huh. except he was like hell bent on keeping Jim around one because he was a great driver, but he was also like a really good friend with Jim yeah. Clark. He didn't really like making friends with his employees very much. Um, I can relate. <laughs> 
Because when uh, you have to kill them, it's all, it yeah. makes it that <laughs> much harder. You have to put them in a position where they die. Yeah. Makes Co- it tough. Colin Chapman also, uh, he had v- loyalty among his employees was also very high. He was a very charismatic guy. Um, there's a quote from one of his team members, uh, his uh, executive assistant, assistant named Tim Enright. This is in the documentary. He says that Colin was like so charismatic and got earned so much loyalty from his employees that in another life, this is what he said, in another time, he could have been Hitler. Uh, hey, t- buddy. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you, but uh, <laughs> can't think of anyone else. Uh, uh, nope. What Hitler. about Jesus? What, what about, about Moses? Churchill? Yeah, Churchill. <laughs> Chapman and Lotus would continue to build on their legend with the Lotus 33 in 1965. Jim Clark won five out of six wins behind its wheel and grabbed the team's second double championship. That year, Clark also drove the Lotus 38 to victory in the Indy 500 over in the U.S. Oh, this sounds sick. American driver Dan Gurney had convinced Chapman to start competing in IndyCar back in 1963 after suggesting that there was an opportunity for the right manufacturer to demonstrate the effectiveness of a mid-engine lightweight race car. Dude, and uh, uh, it seems like it's stuck. <laughs> Dude, this thing have a horn on it? Is that part of the track or is that part of the car? That is a speaker. Oh, <laughs> uh, that thing got a horn on it? <laughs> that was a satellite a so he could talk to the pits. Uh, I think that's a little loudspeaker. Uh, yeah. Um, I would daily this car. Yeah, it's yeah. sick as hell. In 1963, Jim and the Lotus 29 finished second, but the win in 1965 was enough to convince the field of the efficacy of a mid-engine car. And by the time Jim returned to race in 1967, many competitors had adopted the mid-engine lightweight approach of a Lotus. Uh, someone's copying homework. Oh. <laughs> hey, looks nice cars, guys. Looks familiar. Unfortunately, guys, 1968 was a year filled with incredible highs and devastating lows for Lotus. The company released the Lotus 49, one of the most iconic freaking yes. F1 cards ever. This is my favorite sim car. It's so fun on Asset of Corsa. It offered yet another major step forward in car design. It was one of the first F1 cars to use a stressed member engine and combined it with a monocoque chassis to reduce weight. So stress member means that the engine itself is part of the chassis. Whoa. Instead of using, like, f- you know, tubing and everything to hold the engine in, the engine itself is just, it's it's holding, they bolted the suspension onto the engine. It also introduced to the sport the use of aerofoils to generate downforce. Around this time, Colin was also instrumental in including corporate sponsorships to F1. The 1968 Lotus 49 was the first to appear in an iconic red, white, and gold paint job. The colors of Gold Leaf, a British tobacco company. Ironically, though, Colin did not allow smoking in the factory. Really? Yeah. He hated the smell of cigarette smoke. He despised smoking. Uh, they're in that same dock. There's a they interview like a former secretary, and she smoked, yeah. and she just decided it was she quit smoking. I think because yeah. it was just wasn't worth the trouble of gaining I, Colin Chapman's ire. Yeah, He's, I smoked for years, and mm-hmm. now I don't. And I hate how cigarettes smell, and I hate how people smell after they smoke cigarettes. And I was oddly enough watching part of The Wizard of Oz the other day, mm-hmm. <laughs> and all I could think I just watched the munchkin land scene like when she mm-hmm. first goes to yeah. oz and all i could think was just like i bet that whole set just smells <laughs> yeah. like cigarettes so yeah he didn't like anyway, smoking but uh gross. don't smoke smoking. kids don't smoke don't smoke uh he hated smoking but uh maybe drink protein drink protein <laughs> maybe try to drink protein <laughs> maybe don't smoke try drink protein sometime so yeah the lotus 49 crushed the competition or my new energy drink giddy up yeah giddy, giddy up, up. It's $36 at CVS. 420 milligrams of caffeine. The Lotus 49 crushed the competition, and it brought the team yet another Drivers' Championship and Constructors' Championship. However, it was Graham Hill who won the Drivers' Championship as Jim Clark tragically lost his life on April 7th during a Formula 2 race. He didn't even have to be doing that. What? Yeah, Uh, we talked about that in the episode. The death of Jim Clark was a tremendous blow for both Lotus and Chapman. In Clark, Chapman had his perfect driver and partner. And Chapman was never quite the same after losing his close friend. Again, he did really he wasn't really close with a lot of his employees except for uh, Jim Clark. Uh, Chapman would later wistfully recall one of Clark's finest drives. Quote, In the Italian Grand Prix at Monza in 1967, 
He did something which up to that point I, and I think most people, had felt was impossible. After suffering a puncture and dropping back a lap, Jim actually caught the leaders, left them, and then made up a whole lap on Wow. Them. This, I think, was a virtuoso drive, which no other driver has ever equaled or will ever be able to surpass. I feel like Max does that every week. <laughs> For stop? Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. So, shut up, yeah. Jim. <laughs> One of the aforementioned highs of 1968 was the introduction of the Lotus Europa, which took Chapman's mid-engine layout from race cars to sports cars, i.e. cars for the street. <laughs> this looks like sports <laughs> in. Oh, man, this thing. It looks like a Mira. Well, it's got a nice curvy like front end, and then the back end is, is like strange. A panel it looks band. like a hearse. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's weird. There's one for sale on the way to the beach. <laughs> I live in California. Everywhere is the way to the beach. <laughs> There's one for sale on the way to the beach. Sounds like a line from like an anime. <laughs> the, the, like who localized this? What the hell? The Lotus Europa S1 featured a 78 horsepower Renault engine and a backbone chassis. Backbone. She's got a backbone chassis. Is, <laughs> is that just like um, all the rigidity is? On the like roof of the car, what does that mean? I don't know. Hmm. I think it has like a not over the roof of it, but like down the, the middle. Center. There's like a there, down the center. There's a the framework there. Okay, okay. So you know how a lizard skeleton? Yeah, looks? exoskeleton. No, endo. 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 Yeah, endo skeleton. Yeah. And it's how a lizard skeleton looks. It's got a spine. Yeah. Now imagine its little legs or oh, wheels. wheels. Okay, yeah. And instead of guts, you got seats. Oh, oh. Yeah. So no guts, but seats. Yeah. Yeah, okay. And that's where you go. And little wheels for hands. Uh-huh. Okay, yeah. yeah it's, like a, it's like uh, two motorcycles with a house in the middle. Oh, yeah, yeah but that puts it in perspective. The Europa <laughs> was primarily sold in mainland Europe, as the name would indicate, and that was a sense. hit amongst drivers for its aerodynamic shape. I think it's... Pretty ugly. I think he started drawing a sports car and then was like, hey, let's finish with a shed. <laughs> that being said, if you put a little nasty little Honda motor little in there. Nasty little days, Honda ooh. motor. Ooh. Or Hayabusa motor. Hayabusa. <laughs> you. <laughs> 1970 was a similar year to 1968, yeah. <laughs> both in the highs and its lows for Chapman and Lotus. Uh-oh. Chapman moved the Lotus 72's radiator from the front to the side of the car, yet another method for reducing drag that's still in use today. I did not know that. And at just 530 kilograms, about 1,500 pounds, 1,400 pounds, the minimum allowable weight at the time, it was among the lightest F1 cars in history. Turns out it's 1,168 pounds. Oh, I that's said about really light. Pounds. Dude, yeah. these are sick, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is, I made a mistake. This is my favorite uh, sim racer car. Hmm. Except not this livery, though, with the gold leaf. It's got a um, black, it's a black you car. You did John Player ones? Yeah. John Player was a cigarette. Yep. Or yeah. was it? Okay. They're all cigarettes. It's all cigarettes. 555 five, cigarettes. When you're like, Small what Bro is that cigarettes. weird brand I've never heard of? Cigarettes. cigarettes. Wait, the Impreza with the 555? Five, five? That's, That's cigarettes. Cigarettes, triple yeah. five, dude. Anything in racing, cigarettes. <laughs> Wait, next you're going to tell me that Mission Win Winnow. Yeah, is Mission Win Now. Cigarettes. That's that's cigarettes. tobacco. The car under Lotus, another constructors championship, and Lotus driver Jochen Rint, ever heard of him? Won the drivers championship, the company's fourth double down championship. However, listeners of the show may remember that Rint never knew about his win. He was killed in a crash at Monza with only four races to go in the season, becoming the first and only Formula One driver in history to win the driver's championship after he died. Yeah. Rest in power. Rest in power, Rint. Rint's death is one of the most famous in Lotus's history, and it calls attention to one of the biggest criticisms of Chapman, driver safety. Chapman's pursuit of victory at almost any cost might have driven Lotus's technological innovations, but it also led to the creation of lightweight vehicles that were unsafe to drive. Rint would infamously say of his hiring, At Lotus, I can either be the world champion or die. 
Yeah, so this is a like uh, where Lotus starts to get its pretty bad reputation of being unsafe. Uh, at this race, as it's explained in the documentary that I watched, um, Yakin went off the track, hit like a, a pole that had a speaker system, like a loudspeaker on it. And when the front end, the front end came off, it wasn't like fully, it wasn't strong enough to hold it on there because yeah. it was so light. Front end of the car comes off, but that's where your feet are uh, for the pedals. Oh. So it, it caught his feet. Uh, it like ripped him in half? It didn't rip him in half, but it did pull him, pull him forward, like uh, down. He then, like submarined and oh. his, the, his safety belts, I guess, like cut his neck. Oh, uh, God. And that's how he died. He bled out or? He like bled from the, the seat. He was pulled through the car because the car split in yeah. half. Yeah. Jeez. So, not good. Well, despite Rent's death, the Lotus 72 would continue to be used with some modifications throughout hopefully, the 1972 season. Hopefully safety modifications. Yeah. Brazilian driver Emerson Fittipaldi. This dude's freaking super group. Yeah. Yeah, this is the traveling, traveling Traveling, but This is the <laughs> damn Yankees of F1 yeah. drivers. Brazilian driver Emerson Fittipaldi drove in the company's fifth dual constructors and drivers championships and became the youngest driver to win at age 25, a record that would still stand until Nolan's best friend, Fernando Alonso, <laughs> broke it in 2005. If you want to learn more about F1 <laughs> or you're just a fan, listen to DRS. That's our other podcast yeah, starring Nolan yeah. and Alanis and Jason Fenske from Engineering Explorer. Oh, he's a, a treat. Ago. Yeah, he was great. Another modified Lotus 72 was back in 1973 to earn Lotus their sixth Constructors' Championship, though Sir Jackie Stewart took the Drivers' Championship for Elf Team Tyrell. Elf Team Tyrell sounds like uh, it's in The Lord of the Rings. <laughs> After scoring four constructors and three drivers' championships in just six years, the mid-70s were relatively quiet for Lotus on the racetrack. However, they compensated by rolling out two of their most popular road cars in 1975 and 76. The Lotus Elite Type 75 debuted in January of 75, and the car's unique contemporary design made it an immediate splash. That's a good way of putting it. (laughs) It's pretty dang ugly. (laughs) Look at it. Look uh, at it. Look at it. Look at it. Look, look at it, baby. Again, with the booty. Like, it's that flat back we talked about back, yeah. with the uh, Daytona Coupe. It's like not the uh, human it's, eye doesn't think, hey, that's prior dynamic. But turns out it is. Yeah, maybe. Um, it does splash. look like a monster drive. <laughs> <laughs> the four-seater. Oh, it's a four-seater. was the first Lotus to use an aluminum four-valve Lotus 907 engine that could reach 155 horsepowers. And at just 1,016 kilograms, it barely cracked a metric ton in spite of the steel bars in the doors that helped the car comply with U.S. regulations and win the company's first safety award, the International Dawn Safety Trophy. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. I'm international Don. I want to shake your hand. When you said it, I was like, (laughs) I hope it's not D-A-W-N. But yeah, it's Don. Don. Yeah. Don. Don. International Don Safety Trophy. Uh, Then in 1976, they released the Lotus Esprit. (laughs) You're Don really good. doing some safety over here. Hey, you're Don really good. (laughs) You got to dredge the canal. In 1976, they released the Lotus Esprit, which you may remember from the James Bond movie, The Spy Who Loved Me. Uh, I love I love the Esprit. It's sick. And while the stock version didn't turn into a submarine like James Bond's, the public didn't seem to mind all that much. The first version also featured the Lotus 907 engine, though the Series 2.2 in March of 1980 upgraded to a new higher torque version. I think Elmo Musk uh, bought... The James Bond version of this. Oh, oh, he did. Cool. Yeah. It's actually a kind of cool story that I would like to tell if I didn't hate Elon Musk so much. Yeah. yeah. So Lotus might have gone a few years without an F1 title, but they returned to form with the Lotus 79 in 1978, the car that would make legendary driver Mario Andretti a superstar. Jeez Louise. Now, I've seen him in his underpants. <laughs> 
now sponsored by John Player Special. Yes, that iconic black black and gold. gold. Yeah, don't smoke, kids, but this is cool. Don't smoke, but cigarette branding is sick. (laughs) (laughs) The Lotus 79 would be unbeatable with Mario behind the wheel. Mario Andretti won the Drivers' Championship in 1978, which was his first, and Lotus won the Constructors' Championship, which was their seventh. In 1978, at Monza, uh, number two driver Ronnie Peterson was killed in a crash. So Mario Andretti's car, the Lotus 79, uh, had a carbon fiber kind of monocoque chassis going on. What? An early version that, of it. That early? Not completely carbon fiber like the McLarens would out of in the specific. 80s, yes. but it had more carbon fiber in it. Paper mache. Sure. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Ronnie Peterson. Foil wrapped around a <laughs> wire when, hanger. When Ronnie Peterson died at Monza, he was driving the previous year's car, yeah. which was very similar to the 79, but was constructed of aluminum yeah. and mm-hmm. uh, steel and stuff. So Colin Chapman, with Ronnie dying, he, instead of taking sort of responsibility or anything like that, he actually blames the Lotus team for not building another carbon fiber car another 79 fast enough because he thinks that if if peterson was driving a lotus 79 that he would have survived for whatever reason because crumples and all crumple mm-hmm. zones whatever this i think is kind of a chicken move yeah by blaming your team and yeah. like you're the guy running the team yeah that's whack yeah, yeah. man um and you sign the checks dog you take the you, blame yeah exactly you get the glory you take the blame dude yeah you um, bitch. <laughs> Colin Chapman, you i think i think that says a lot about Colin at this time. Dude, um, I was on board with this guy. Now I think he's a freaking hoe. Yeah. <laughs> um, and after this, after he blames the team, uh, his relationship with them obviously changes for the rest of his life. Yeah. Uh, he used to he used to be a guy that would hang out in the garage a lot, hang out with the engineers, with the mechanics building the car. He kind of doesn't do that ever again because uh, they probably hate his guts, to be honest. And, yeah. you know, all this loyalty that he's earned over the decades of being a team owner is like quickly washed away don't be a jerk because i yeah he just uh couldn't handle having losing that other driver couldn't take responsibility for it even by the company's very high standards the lotus 79 was an enormous leap forward in design and is possibly one of the most important f1 cars in terms of design influence today chapman had introduced his first wing car with the 1978 uh, with the lotus 78 the year before but the Lotus 79 is often referred to as the first ground effect car. It featured long, narrow skirts along the sides. Slack. Yeah. <laughs> along the sides that extend to the ground, an innovation that F1 would ban less than two years later, as it was producing cornering speeds that were simply unsafe. To give you an idea about how powerful this car was, Alan Jones' pole position at the 1979 British Grand Prix shaved a jaw-dropping 6.6 seconds off of Jim Hunt's winning qualifying time from 1977. Oh my God. Just you think uh, this season of F1 is unfair? Yeah, this thing was a revelation. And now we are using ground effect again in Formula mm-hmm. One. It's pretty yeah. cool. Of course, it was neither the first nor the last time that Chapman would blaze a new technological trail only to have an organizing body clamp down soon after. For example, the infamous... Organizing body clamp down. (laughs) (laughs) For example, the infamous Lotus 88 is unparalleled in F1 history thanks to its dual chassis, which had the driver sitting on a soft, comfortable chassis attached to a second, stiffer chassis necessary for managing the car's downforce. I have no idea how this thing works. It's just like a floating crib style, you know, like the bouncy cribs that they... Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, It was such an innovative design that F1 banned it before Chapman could even enter in a race, thanks to protests by competitors ahead of the 1981 U.S. Grand Prix. It's not fair. And as a result, the Lotus 88 never made it to the track. We'll be right back with more of this story, but first, a word from our sponsors. The final chapter of Chapman's incredible life also reflects some of his move fast and break things approach. The tragic saga of the DeLorean Motor Company is truly incredible. Uh, We made a really great video about it years ago Mm -hmm. uh, called Up to Speed on our YouTube channel. And then there's a pretty good documentary as well starring Alec Baldwin. I think we also did another. uh, The murderer, Alec Baldwin. What? We did uh, did some episodes on it, too. Early run past gas. Oh, yeah. They're funny. They're good. You do a great, like, stretchy face Botox bit, I think. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Check out that 
classic bit. Let us know if we should turn it into a shirt. <laughs> Remember this podcast that came out three years ago? <laughs> oh, well, I mean, hey, uh, that's if you guys have any favorite bits that you think would make good merch. Yeah, let us know. We'll put join the zoomies. We'll and put anything on a shirt. And uh, I mean, our stuff us. is still available at donutmedia.com. Yeah. The tragic saga of the DeLorean Motor Company is truly incredible, and Chapman is one of its main players, even if he wasn't around for the mess that came out of the aftermath. John DeLorean was, of course, a famous executive at General Motors who ran Pontiac and Chevrolet before he decided to get a giant chin implant (laughs) and run his own company. The DeLorean Motor Company was meant to cater to the true car enthusiasts, and DeLorean partnered with Lotus and Chapman, hoping to capitalize on some of the company's legendary innovative spirit. So in 1978, they teamed up to develop DeLorean's stainless steel DMC-12 sports car. DeLorean actually approached Porsche and BMW before going to Lotus, and they were like, you want us to develop a... He only had like 18 months uh, per the deal uh, with... Ireland, which we're about to talk, Nor- uh, Northern Ireland, which we're about to talk Northern about. Ireland. Northern Ireland. Northern Ireland. Porsche was like, it takes us like seven years to develop a car. BMW was like, it's four years. And he did it in like a year and a half. Yeah. And that's and why he contacted He's like Elon Lotus, Musk. Basically. Yeah. Uh, the, the 12 in the name is because he wanted to make an affordable sports car that anyone could buy that was worth $12,000 MSRP. But what did it end up costing? 25. Yeah. Back then, Back so then. probably more like anyway. 80 now. DeLorean decided to build his cars in war-torn Northern Ireland. Wire-torn Northern Ireland, which allowed him to secure over 100 million dollars worth of loans and other incentives from the British government. But the cash flow didn't last. The DeLorean Motor Company declared bankruptcy in 1982, a stunning crash to earth for a company with the highest of aspirations and the biggest of chins. (laughs) (laughs) And with that crash to earth came a lot more scrutiny into the company's financing. Mm -hmm. Scrutiny of, say, a Swiss shell company incorporated in Panama, not shady at all, called General Product Development, Mm -hmm. uh, GDP, that charged DMC millions. Unfortunately for Colin Chapman, with millions of DMC investor money missing, his role in the founding of general product development uh, was looking potentially problematic. But Colin Chapman didn't end up having to face the music. On December 16th, 1982, Colin Chapman suffered a, quote, fatal heart attack at just 54 years old. Or did he? Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) Yes, the proximity of this fatal heart attack to his potential legal jeopardy has long fueled rumors that Chapman faked his own death instead of facing jail time for his role in the collapse of the DeLorean. Yes, so before they broke ground on that factory in Belfast, Uh John DeLorean approached Colin Chapman and said, hey, we need you to develop this car. I have 18 months. They kind of stalled on it, and finally they made that deal for $17.5 million, or pounds, which is some currency. $17.5 million of whatever Yeah. Uh, to do this. Now they had 14 months left. The contract was basically like, hey, yeah, we'll, Lotus will build the car, but actually you have to give us the money up front so that GDP, this tax... Uh, not evasion, launder, tax launder. avoidance company that I've set up mm-hmm. will do the engineering for it. There weren't a lot of people on the payroll for GDP. It was like yeah. G- it was Colin Chapman and like a couple accountants, and that was it. GPD, GPD, General Product GPD. Thank you. So millions of dollars goes to Switzerland, his company in Switzerland. None of the people on the board for Lotus know about this. Mm-hmm. They're not really aware of what GPD does. It's like me making deals yeah. and like you guys and just know what it knows. A scandal. Right. right. So also Lotus had gone public a few years earlier, had a lot of st- shareholders. Uh, yeah, they went public because he wanted to like cash in on his name and everything after uh-huh. a few decades of being in the business. He went public just to get the cash flow in yeah, and uh-huh. didn't really do anything in return. So that's like a double strike now. So mm-hmm. he's... Stolen money, basically, mm-hmm. from Lotus with GPD, and then also 
is not getting a lot of uh, return for his shareholders. Okay, so in addition to that, so that here's why there's a conspiracy uh, theory, uh, according to the classic car trust. Yes, he wanted to see how many people would show up for his funeral. <laughs> yeah, it, just like uh, Huck Finn. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So when he passed, Colin had just completed a physical at Lloyd's of London, which I thought was a department store. No, it's a a insurance company. Okay. Just a week before, uh, in order to renew both his pilot's license and his life insurance policy. That's fishy. That's a little sketch. Yeah. The only people to see his body at all were Hazel, his wife, and the doctor who signed his death certificate. Uh, The doctor... Disappeared after. Interesting. Did Hazel disappear? No, she was around for a long time. Okay. His, she died in 94. Oh. Well, his burial was rushed. Lotus drivers Emerson Fittipaldi and Mario Andretti were both in America when he passed, but when they called to find out when the funeral was, he was already buried. Interesting. Uh, and they were like, don't worry about it. Also, Colin most likely knew that he and others involved in the DeLorean bankruptcy scandal were facing serious prison time. When Lotus Chairman Fred Bushel got his day in court in June of 1992, he received five years in prison. So this took 10 years for yeah. him to go to court? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What? The high court's Lord Justice Murray commented at the time that had Chapman still been alive, he would have been facing twice that sentence. That's 10 years in the skidoo. <laughs> and then finally, Hazel spent a month in Brazil oh, okay. after the Brazilian Grand Prix in 1983 despite a lifelong fear of flying that had previously kept her from traveling. She had a lifelong fear of flying and Colin Chapman had a pilot's license. Interesting. Of course, like many entrants into the fake their own death genre of conspiracy theory, this one is most likely complete nonsense. Yeah, right. I think it's real. I want to believe. I want to believe. I want to (laughs) believe he's up there. Uh, smoking a spliff with Tupac and Epstein. Yeah, dream blunt rotation. Yeah. One of the big counterpoints to this, uh, that actually I saw this in a, a a Drive article. Actually, one of the counterpoints to this whole thing is that like Hazel was still very involved in Lotus after mm-hmm. Colin's death uh-huh. for like di- uh, until she passed away, and you know it's like why why would she continue to do that if because he couldn't step away. Because he's like, now she's acting as him. I know, but like, if you only see this guy once a month, or once for the rest of your life in Brazil. No, then they snuck him back and he lived in the castle. Yeah, he, the he, castle. Yeah. They spent $20,000 <laughs> making, making a dog a costume for him to Yeah, he's got to make a dog This dog, Mr. Pippers, is Wait, now a member of the board. Did that dog just wave at me? <laughs> <laughs> I want to believe. I think it's a fun theory. I, d- I don't know. You don't want to believe. I don't know. Tom what DeLong, happened to you? Tom DeLong told me that There's Colin like- Chapman faked his death. Yeah. <laughs> Even though Lotus continued after Chapman's death, the company never reached the heights it did during his lifetime in F1. Anyway. Mm-hmm. However, Lotus remained on the F1 circuit until 1994. And as noted above, Hazel's career with Lotus would also continue long after her husband passed. She became the director of Classic Team Lotus, an arm of the family business dedicated to preserving the company's legacy. As for Hazel, she stayed present at Lotus long into her old age before passing at the age of 94 oh. in 2021. Oh. oh, she didn't die in 94. No. She died at 94. Wow. Wow. She even personally signed off on Lotus's 100,000th road oh car my God. in 2018. Wow. Also, like... Old people, if they've been together forever, their relationships are not the same as our relationships are now. Yeah. They're like, they've been through Oh, it. man. I, that reminds me. We didn't even get into, like, the mistresses and everything. He had mistresses? He had two mistresses. Oh. See? There's a quote from that same guy who said that he would be Hitler, uh, where he said <laughs> that uh, Colin had three lives. He had his family life. Uh-huh. He had his private life that his yeah. family wasn't necessarily included in yeah and then his business life there's so many quotes from this in this documentary i highly if this story is interesting to you please check out the secret life of colin chapman because there are so many great quotes from old british guys who are like yeah we were drinking brandy yeah we had prostitutes yeah they like rented like an estate or something like that and then i'm not sure if they brought the working girls in uh-huh. um but as they said as these police officers came arrested a lot of working girls and as that was happening 
Colin Chapman was like stealing parts off the police van that they were being loaded into. (laughs) That's sick. Uh, (laughs) These guys really like to party. I think that's kind of a thing we have to keep in mind throughout Uh. this entire story. Not only were they brilliant race car builders and uh, innovators, but they also partied partied real hard and were not faithful to their wives. Oh, that's where. And they probably smoked cigarettes. Yuck. Yuck. A lot of cigarettes. Yeah. So. Few people get the chance to leave their mark on the world, but the enormity of Colin Chapman's contributions to F1 racing and sports cars is so profound that they're still in use, okay? Looking at F1 cars today, fans can still likely point out any number of innovations that Chapman and Lotus can claim credit for, whether it be the Chapman struts, which we've talked about, the mid-engine layout itself, or freaking downforce. I do think that Lotus road cars, they're running out of cool E-words, yeah, it's, it's gonna be like starting to, they're starting to scrape the bottom of the barrel. There's a lotus egg now. Yeah, <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> uh, it all came at a cost, though. Chapman's racing cars were often re- unreliable, and it's possible that his pursuit of more speed came at the cost of his driver's safety. Most tragically, for Jim Clark and Joachim Rin and Ronnie Peterson, and his role in the fraud that took place at the DeLorean Motor Company proved to be an infamous end to an otherwise wildly successful life. Yeah, uh, it really sullied a lot of the goodwill that he had mostly yeah. built over the mm-hmm. last 35 years of his life. However, Chapman's desire to keep making faster, lighter cars that were fun to drive changed the world. All told, it's hard to imagine anyone not named Ferrari who can claim to come anywhere near the level of influence on F1 and the high-performance automobiles other than Colin Chapman. I agree. Brilliant guy. for yeah. sure. Naturally talented guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, uh, great story. Really fascinating guy, uh, which is a term you use for anyone who uh, <laughs> yeah. has a life oh, like his. so fascinating. Man, he was really a complicated, fascinated figure. Fascinating but that's, how, that's the best Multifaceted. way to put it. Multifaceted. It's a multifaceted. Uh, a multidimensional story. Yeah. Lived a lot of lives. Thank you guys very much for listening to this episode. Uh, leave us a review. Leave us a five-star rating. We for- got some listener mail this week we from oh, we Toby do? from Austria. Toby oh, from Austria. Austria. Golden Mark and Pascal's crew. <laughs> hey, guys. I'm a big fan of the show for a couple of years already. I was recently hearing the episode about Jochen Rint. I'm an Austrian. I'm quite happy that we are internationally not only known for a person who is not Hitler. Uh, loved your pronunciation of Jochen, since you guys basically said Jochen. So tell us how to say it, okay? If you guys try to pronounce it with an Austrian-German way, I will personally Welcome. bring you guys a delicious Austrian sweet manor waffles Ooh. to your office in L.A. Take okay. care. Peace and love from Austria, Toby. Okay, let's try this out. Uh, Jochen in German. That's not true that we only think of Hitler, by the way. No. no. Arnold Schwarzenegger, I think, Schwarzenegger is probably the most famous. And Toto Wolf. Toto Wolf? He's from all, he's from Strauss. Oh man. Uh and also Christoph Waltz. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um I just looked up Austrian actors. Uh, and those uh, are the main guys Franz that pop Ferdinand? up. From- <laughs> <laughs> the band is British. I'm talking about the guy. Wasn't he Austrian? Probably. I don't yeah. I don't know. Anyway, um thank you so much for your email, Toby. I would like some manor waffles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mind your waffles. Mind your waffles. Mind your old waffles. Also, yeah, we drove the G Wagon. We yeah. drove two G Wagons. Still made in Steyr, Austria. We love Steyr, I would love Austria. to go to Austria. Austria oh, I'd love to go to Austria and drive a Galandawagen. Yeah. So Manor oh. Waffles. Manor Waffles There's are just a- hazelnut wafer cookies. Ooh, baby. I'm so in. I want to eat some Manor Waffles yeah. in the Galandawagen in Steyr, Austria. <laughs> so if you'd like to hit us up. Email us at passgas at donutmedia.com, and we might read your email on the air. Thank you so much, Toby, for putting up with our crazy American accents. Our antics and our antics and bits and bangs. Oh, first of all, I'd like to thank you guys for listening and watching the show wherever you do it. Thank you so much for your Big thanks to our producer, Christina, and our producer, Gavin, and the writer, Joel Anderson. Yeah, Yeah. thanks. And thanks for Nick for for shooting this. And Nick for shooting it. Putting up with all our crap. Putting up with all our crap. Nick probably puts up with more crap than anybody. I think so. And he does it with grace. (laughs) 
Uh, follow James at James Pumphrey. Follow Joe at Joe G. Weber. Follow me at Nolan J. Sykes. If you'd like, we will see you next time. See you next time, you sexy little gassers. You gasser, gasser babies. Bye. <laughs>has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.